Welcome back. I'm glad you're back, and I hope you're enjoying this series on the stories of Jesus as we look at these parables. Now remember, during the week, we offer group material that you can go on and you can watch. You can watch them by yourself. Really not that helpful because it's designed to have a discussion. Or you can watch them with your spouse or watch them with your friends. Maybe you should invite your friends over and have a discussion about spiritual things, about spiritual matters. Really frustrating when we provide content that it goes unused. But you know what? That's not up to me. That's up to you. So I pray that you'll you'll take advantage of everything we're providing. Sign up for our shout-outs. Sign up for our scriptures uh, to be delivered to you every day. Take advantage of all the content we're producing. And be sure to tune into the, the Scott Weatherford Leadership Podcast. That's always another way to kind of edify you and help you grow to be more like Jesus. Because everything we do is about Jesus and how we become like him. Now, here we are in week six. And we're going to talk about the parable of the unforgiving servant. This is a really interesting story. Forgiveness is not natural to us. It's just not. However, forgiveness is the greatest need that we have. We need to forgive and be forgiven. And it's the most difficult uh, topic to really to, to contemplate. How I know I need forgiveness, and I know I need to give forgiveness, but how do I deal with this, and how much should I give? Should I allow someone to keep abusing me and just keep forgiving him over and over and over? Is forgiveness and restoration the same thing? What do I do? How do I win a victory? Now, King Louis VII of France, he said this, The sweetest smell in the world is the dead body of your enemy. Okay, that's a bit harsh. But what he's saying is that vengeance feels so good, but it's actually so temporary, and it doesn't satisfy. Mixed with the need of forgiveness is desire to get a pound of flesh. I will forgive somebody, but I want to extract my vengeance. And and even when I, I deal with the emotions of justice, that even when I forgive, I still get these emotional bursts of just rage, and I want to pay back. And that's a very tricky topic as well. Vengeance is what God does. I want vengeance, but God says it belongs to him. Listen to this. This is out of Romans 12. Friends, do not avenge yourself. Instead, leave room for God's wrath, because it's written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. Okay. Well, here in Matthew, Jesus gives a pathway of restoring relationships. In the group material, we're going to walk through that pathway with you. So remember that. That's in the group material. This practical guide, that guide in the group material, really paves way to the question that Peter asked. And he said this. Peter then approached him and said, Lord, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? I tell you. Not as many as seven, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Now, Peter's asking a question that we all ask. How many times should I forgive? And Peter's thinking he's been very generous by saying seven times because the Pharisees said three times it after that, take vengeance. Do what you need to do. Jesus is giving basically an infinite amount of forgiveness. He says, keep forgiving, keep forgiving, keep forgiving. So, This parable then proves to illustrate this to us, what Jesus is doing is setting the expectations for a new life in the kingdom of heaven and how the kingdom of man is filled with bitterness, resentment, vengeance, and being unforgiven, and the kingdom of heaven is different. We're not fit for the kingdom of heaven. We need to be transformed from our natural condition to a supernatural condition by God's grace so that we can respond and live life as God intended. In the now and in the next. 
So it's dealing with our hearts. The transformation begins with forgiveness. I receive forgiveness from God, then I live out that forgiveness by extending it to you. Oh, well, this kind of takes on a whole new thing. The result is that the kingdom of heaven begins here on earth. Then I live in it forever. And the key is transformation. And the result is I become a great forgiver. Uh, Jesus tells this different story. There's much to be learned from it. And he explains the trouble with being unforgiven and where it leads. Now let's listen to his story. Father, I pray as we read and we contemplate that we will let you change who we are. Thank you for what you're going to say. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Now I want to invite you to take out something, maybe jot down a few notes, that you may kind of put some stuff in your heart. Maybe you want to write down the King Louis, you know, the, the seventh quote, you know, no sweeter spell in all the worlds, the spell of, the, of, your, of your dead, of your, of your enemy's dead body. Well, maybe not. But let me read this passage for you as you, as you, you take, some, take some notes. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle the account, one who owed 10,000 talents was brought before him. Since he did not have the money to pay it back, his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell face down before him and said, Be patient with me, and I will repay you everything. Then the master of the servant had compassion, released him, and forgave the loan. Now this is really interesting. This story is about you. About you. You owe a debt to God that you can never repay. And the listeners that day listened to that and said, okay, we owe a debt to God that we can never, ever repay. Um, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's Romans 6.23. The servant could not pay what he owed. Now, when Jesus said this, the debt was so large, he could never pay it. The 10,000 talents owned was, was equivalent to, get this, 10,000 years of wages. 10,000 years of wages. That's a big stinking debt. Oh, kind of like our government. 10,000 years of wages. It was larger than any of the taxes paid to, ta- paid to Rome by the inhabitants of all of Israel, of all of Palestine. This is a large debt. It's greater than the tax receipts by the Jewish people. The king did something. He turned the debt into a loan, and then he forgave the loan. Basically, he said, okay, all this money you owe me actually was a loan I was extending to, so you could live in the lavish fact that you lived in, for you lived on 10,000 years of wages and you squandered it, you can't pay it back, so I'm considered a loan, and now that you've done that, I'm going to forgive it. Like, what? That'd be like my bank calling and say, hey, uh, you know, Scott, uh, we just don't pay your mortgage anymore. We're just going to pay it off for you. We're going to forgive it. Okay, 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 thanks, bye, click. What? What? That doesn't happen. It did here. And what Jesus was doing was illustrating the point of God's amazing generosity. Those listening knew that they were indebted to God and they kept trying to fulfill God's grace by keeping the law, selling everything they had, paying it all back, be patient, and they couldn't pay it. It never was satisfied. 
The law and the rituals kept putting them more and more in debt and pointing out to them their great need. How do I know that? Because Paul said this. The law just shows me how bad I need grace. Oh, the servant in this story fell on the mercy of the king, and so must we. Here's a process. Listen to this. The king pointed out the debt. Jesus convicts us of our sins. Hmm. The king extended mercy. Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. The servant responded in humility, and so much we. Have mercy on me, O God, a sinner. I, Jesus, I'm yours. Responded in submission. Responded in humility. The king forgave the debt, turned it into a loan, and restored. And that's what Jesus does for us. Takes us from being a child of the devil to a child of the king. Oh, this is a beautiful picture of grace. This is a beautiful picture God trusting us with forgiveness. And then we trust him, and then we receive his forgiveness. Forgiveness reflects the heart of God. Wow. But then the story takes a nasty turn. Dun, 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 dun. A nasty turn. The servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Less than about a year's wage. He grabbed him and started choking him and said, Pay what you owe. Huh. At this, the fellow servant fell down and began begging, Be patient with me, I'll pay you back. But he wasn't willing. Instead, he went and threw him into prison until he could pay what he was owed. How stupid is that? How could a guy pay you back when he's in prison? But that's vengeance. Put them in a prison. That's vengeance. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed. And they went and reported to the master everything that had happened. And then after he had summoned him to his master, he said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you have been mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. So also my heavenly father will do to you unless one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. Wow. See, the reaction of the unforgiven servant is shocking. Like, I didn't expect this turn of events, but here it is. The servant owed the other servant about a year's wage, probably a little less. It was a lot of money, but nothing compared to 10,000 years of indebtedness. You would think being forgiven that great amount of debt would produce a great forgiver who would say, you know what? It's good. Forget about that. It didn't because forgiveness is hard for the human heart. Forgiveness is hard. Why? Why didn't this guy react this way? And why did Jesus use this example? Well, maybe to point out that even when we're forgiven this great debt of sin, we still deal with sinful nature. Maybe that's the pointed out, that we deal with a sinful nature. Maybe we're unwilling to become like Jesus and respond like Jesus. Maybe we just want to get exposed to Jesus but not live all for Jesus. Maybe we just want to get our hides out of hell and not have our lives be transformed by his grace and mercy. Now I'll talk more about that in a second because I really believe that the servant was actually saved. What? Yeah, I'll talk about that in a second. We think that forgiveness lets people off the hook of responsibility. When it doesn't, it lets you off the hook of responsibility. When you forgive someone, 
You no longer expecting to extract vengeance. You trust that to God, and it lets you off the emotional hook of wanting vengeance and wanting your rights justified. Boy, as I talk about this, man, that conviction rises up in my heart because I'm Pastor Scott. You shouldn't gossip about me. You shouldn't slander me. You should submit to me. I'm Pastor Scott. Who do I think I am? I'm entitled. That's who do I think I am. I'm arrogant and elite. And I'm like this unforgiving servant. The king forgave and then released. The servant story, he was so blinded by his entitlement that he demanded payment. And then he threatened the other servant with punishment that would never allow the debt to be paid off anyway. Just stupid behavior. The servant's unforgiveness cast a disparaging view upon the king, and your lack of love and mercy and your lack of forgiveness cast a disparaging look upon God. That doesn't cut you off from his mercy, doesn't cut you off from his grace, but it makes God look bad. Really? Yeah. You're holding on to bitterness and resentment and pride and demanding your pound of flesh makes God look bad. As a leader, God's so hard for me. But as a follower of Jesus, I have to remember I've been forgiven a great debt, so therefore I should be a great forgiver. Forgiveness is a natural to man, but it's natural to God. I've heard people say this, well, if my spouse did so and so, I can never forgive them. Really? I've come to grips with that as a man of God. I said, you know, no matter what Tara does, I'm going to love her. No matter what my children do, I'm going to love them. No matter if they break my heart or walk away, I'm going to love them. I'm not going to write them off. No matter what you do, I'm going to love you. That doesn't mean I have to hang out with you. Just saying. But I have to become a great forgiver and a great lover because it releases my heart from resentment and bitterness and vengeance and pride. I have to do that. Is it a struggle? Yeah. Is it a struggle every day? You betcha. Am I dealing with it right now? Yes, I am. But I have to deal with it because I don't want to be like this unforgiving guy. The outcome of this story is the unforgiving servant was turned it over to the tormentors or to the jailers. Now, he was, he was not reassigned his former debt. The master didn't say, now you owe everything again. He didn't reassign him because the debt was already forgiven. What he did do, he was held in account to forgive this other guy's debt, and he was held captive until he could forgive the other guy. He could be released immediately by turning around and said, oh, by the way, dude, never mind. But he didn't. If he's resigned his former debt, how in the world, that would contradict the mercy of God, and it doesn't, so he doesn't. Look at this. I wrote this, and I want you to hold on to it. At no time has my sin as a believer cost me my eternal soul. Therefore, no one else's sin should cause them to forfeit my love and mercy. That doesn't mean I become best buddies with one who wounds me. That doesn't mean that. That doesn't mean I have to bring an abuser back into my circle of friends. It doesn't mean that. That means I can give them love and mercy. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm restored into fellowship with them. Because some people, you just it's like hugging a porcupine. You can do it, but you're going to get hurt. Huh. 
Many believers are suffering under spiritual discipline of God because they refuse to forgive and they harbor resentment and bitterness with unforgiving hearts and you can be done with it immediately by giving it to Jesus. You don't even have to say, dude, never mind. You don't. Because unforgiveness is between you and God, not you and that person. Hmm. The Lord disciplines the one he loves. Listen to this out of Hebrews. And you have forgotten the exhortation that that you address to sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you're reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. Bitterness, resentment, lack of forgiveness will eat away at your spiritual vitality. Unforgiveness is a rubbing sore on your soul. I grew up in Florida. Many times we would swim in the lakes of Florida and we'd get leeches on us. If you pulled a leech off, he would leave his little old spiny head and cause a great infection. So what you had to do was you had to soak the leeches in salt water and they would release on their own and die and you would not suffer the infection that they would ensue. I had to have a remedy of being washed to be free from the leeches. Unforgiveness is a leech on your soul and only the washing of the water of God's forgiveness will cure your sin-sick soul. Go to Jesus. He's great. He's good. He's loving. He's forgiving an unsurmountable debt to you. So therefore, you can become a great forgiver. Well, how do I avoid becoming an unforgiving servant? Let me give you some practical steps. You cannot deal with sin forgiveness in a human way. Just said that. Trusting heart forgiveness is what we receive from God, and that's what we need to give. Being unforgiven is a leech on your soul. Forgiveness reflects the highest human virtue. Forgiveness reflects the highest human virtue. Forgiveness reflects the character of God. Remember, forgiveness is a decision. The emotions of vengeance and pain and bitterness can come back, but the decision of forgiveness will shape your future. Every time the emotion comes back, the prayer of remembrance should be uttered. Every time the emotions of vengeance come back, the prayer of remembrance should be uttered. I remember forgiving. I remember forgiving. Forgiving and reconnecting are not the same. Some people are best honored from a distance. Sometimes the best place to be is a thousand miles away from your extended family. Just saying. They should be loved, but not allowed to keep hurting you. So what do I say in all this? I say this. We're not fit to live in the kingdom of heaven in our natural condition. We need to be transformed in order to live as God intended. That transformation begins with forgiveness. To be made fit for the kingdom of heaven is to experience forgiveness offered by the king of heaven. The result of that transformation is that I become a great forgiver. How great is our God, how great you are, God, that you would love me, forgive me, that I may forgive others all for Jesus.
Father, I thank you for this parable that just really convicts me about forgiveness and the emotions of forgiveness. Let me utter that prayer of remembrance. Father, let me become a great forgiver. Father, let the ones who listen become great forgivers, that we might be released from the leeches that attach themselves to our souls, that of a bitterness, resentful uh, resentment, vengeance, pride, and embrace the forgiveness offered by you that we might extend it to those who have wounded us. May we be washed in the water of your grace that we might become great forgivers. Father, some listening need to accept your forgiveness for the first time and experience the freedom from their sin as only you can give. I pray they'll whisper, Jesus, I'm yours. I pray others who listen say, Jesus, help me make the decision now to forgive and release the one who's offended me. And Father, release that bitterness and resentment and pride. And Father, I know some of you have been struggling right now as I pray. Scott, you have no idea how hard I've been. I don't. But the Lord does. And how deeply have we hurt him? And he's often offered his forgiveness to us. So embrace that and live in freedom. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I've heard it said that being unforgiven is like drinking poison, hoping the other person would die. Quit drinking the poison and live in freedom. Now listen to this song, How Great Thou Art. God is great. God is good. God is loving. And take your next step, whatever that might be. Step into membership. Step with and grow spiritually. Step up and serve. Step out and share. Let God do the great work of your soul. We offer all those experiences online to help you take your next steps, and we're always here for you. Raise your hand. Say, hey, I trust in Christ today. Hey, I need prayer. Hey, I want to lead a group. Hey, I want to go on a mission trip. Just lift your hand, and let's live together all for Jesus. And I hope this has helped.